Okay, now listen carefully. I want you to, um, I, I want you to hear this over and over again in your heart. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. There's this crazy idea that has entered uh, much of the church that because I am a child of God, all I need is him. I love people, I care for people, I spend my life with people, but essentially, my life depends directly on God speaking to me and caring for me. There's enough truth to that to keep people in deception. My need to hear from God for myself does not nullify my need for the prophets. My need of the prophets does not cancel out my need to hear from God for myself. They work in tandem. The way most of us function, if he only spoke to us directly, we would become independent. We would use what he said to prove we're superior. We would argue, proving we're right and someone else is wrong. When the word comes through community, it affects community, it um, blesses community, and it emphasizes our need for one another. The Bible says we are members of one another and uses the physical body to illustrate what it looks like to be joined together. In Acts chapter two, we won't go there, but in Acts chapter two, King David is actually called a prophet. A prophet is someone who hears directly from the Lord. But when he wanted to build a temple for God, God wouldn't talk to him. If God is silent, it's never punishment. It's either because he has already spoken and you need to review what you've heard, or he's trying to connect you with the right people that will add into your life the missing piece. Because it emphasizes connection. It emphasizes the fact we don't have it all. The Bible does not say, I have the mind of Christ. It says, we have the mind of Christ. It says, our Father who art in heaven. There is something that is gained in the corporate expression that you cannot gain any other way. The prophet of God does not replace my need to hear from the Lord. And hearing from God does not replace my need for the prophet of God. God has called some people to be prophets. God has called and given some people words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And my need for them is not canceled because I hear God. And because I hear God, I still need the prophets. And when the prophet gives his word, it doesn't cancel my need to develop my hearing of God's word. Now I'm going to give you a few simple practical steps on what happens if the prophet gives you a word. I understand that people sometimes have questions. How do I know it's from God? How do I know if um, this prophetic word, if I should act on this prophetic word? The word of God that comes through a prophet will usually not be something new to the mind of the person that is receiving the prophetic word. It will confirm something God's been dealing with you about. Be careful of prophetic words that come out of blue. You didn't think about it. God didn't deal with you about it. And out of nowhere, they're just throwing you into something. Even though I believe it still can happen. But I would be careful with those words. Especially words that come in in more of a directional setting where, you know, you're praying and there's no impressions, no guidance, no circumstances, no peace, nothing about this particular thing like getting married to this person, um, giving or moving or picking up this job. And the prophet comes in and says, God says you should 
do this and do this. Especially if the Prophet comes in and says, you need to give all of your money to my ministry, to the Prophet's ministry, red flag. Or if the Prophet comes in and says, you need to marry my daughter, red flag. Or if the Prophet comes in and says, you need to quit your job and go become a full-time minister, but that's not something the Lord's been dealing with you about and it's not confirming anything. In fact, it's confusing you. Yeah, I would be hesitant about that because the prophetic words should confirm what the Lord's been dealing with you already. It shouldn't replace and bring confusion. The other part about the prophetic word is the character of the person bringing the prophetic word should always be considered. Let me say it again. The character of the person giving you a prophetic word should always be considered. Just because they said, thus says the Lord, it does not mean thus said the Lord. The Bible says you shall know them by their fruits. You should consider the character of that person. Sometimes God's Word gets diluted and polluted by the bad character and attitude of the very prophet because the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. God can say one thing and prophet through his filter can give you something that is completely not the same. And therefore you must consider the Word Consider the man of God that is giving you that word, his character. All of that said, all that scriptural context and all those thoughts, how do we actually get our words to come past, Kay? How do we actually do it? All right, let's um, go into Mark 4.20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word and understand it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some a 100-fold, okay? What, what, let's break this down. Now, first of all, we see that there's four types of words here. So God is saying 25% of them got good words here. Now, I don't know if that's technically always true, but we want to be in that 25%. We don't want to be in the 75% that their words don't come to pass and they're just tossed to and throw like a wave up and down they go we don't want to be like that we want to be in that 25 percent category of the words are coming to pass and the bible tells us how to do that in mark 4 20. first of all it says that they hear the word you have to put yourself in a position to receive god show me what you want to say i'm willing and open to receive the words you have for me i receive this word this word is for me i believe this word this word is going to happen in my life it's going to come to pass in my life are you listening for a word? The first step in, in a word coming to pass is you actually have to hear a word, okay? So that's obvious. Hopefully you can understand that. Now the second two are a little more complex here. Number two is we have to understand the word, okay? So what does it say here? Let me go back in my notes, sorry. Um, it says, those who hear the word and, in Mark 4, let's highlight that, um, understand it, okay? Understand it. If you want a word to come to pass, you have to understand the word. If somebody gave you a parable word or God gave you a parable or the dream is all these visions and symbols and stuff, you've got to take the time to really understand what the word means. And sometimes, even if it's literal, you still have to go to before the Lord and say, tell me what situation this is for. Tell me how to make this come to pass. Tell me how I partner with you. You really have to understand it in its entirety. It's important to keep the word before your eyes. It's important that we understand what the word actually is, okay? It is highly probable that those of you listening to this episode today have at one time or another had someone speak a prophetic word over your life. 
And perhaps you were encouraged to write it down, to keep it journaled, to go back and revisit it in hard times and difficult times, or those times when you didn't see it come to pass yet. Or maybe you were told that if that word didn't agree with something that just sat with your spirit well, that you needed to just put it on a shelf and just come back to it or just not pay attention to it. Or there's many different things that you could have been told regarding a prophetic word. And today I wanted to talk about these. And I wanted to share personally from my own journal today, one of the journals that I kept, it was a main one that I kept from 2012 to 2016. And I wanted to share some of the prophetic words in there that I had leaders speak over me. And some of the leaders, you may know their names. Um, Some of them were the same person, but a couple of times there was um, other people that, again, you may, you may recognize just as examples. And I want to discuss those and talk about some of the things that I was thinking on, um, meditating on when I when I went back and read these, some thoughts that came to me. We're going to look at some scripture today. And the three people that you just heard um, speak about the prophetic, the first was Bill Johnson from Bethel Church. He talked about this in 2019 about valuing the prophetic. And I'm going to share another clip from him today on this episode. And it was actually shared on social media back in 2019. It's kind of concerning. Even within the context that it's shared, I went and watched the service that this was in context to about valuing the prophetic. And in this, uh, Bill Johnson actually shares something with the uh, gathering of people there that uh, we're going to talk about. The second was Vlad Savchuk. And I've mentioned him on a few other episodes of, of regarding deliverance ministry. I found it interesting when I was listening to his teaching about receiving prophetic words and what to do with them on this short YouTube video that he actually said something very similar, not verbatim, but it was very much the same concept, the, ver- the same thought about the prophetic and prophets and and hearing the voice of God. I hope you took note of that. The third one that we are going to really focus on today is a teaching from Kay Nash. Now, you may not be familiar with Kay Nash. Uh, She has about, when you look on YouTube, she has about almost 42,000 followers. And she has done numerous videos and she believes herself to be a prophet. And so she had a teaching about eight months ago about what to do when receiving a prophetic word. And I was very troubled when I was listening to her teaching on this because she kept referencing Mark 4. And so for you ladies, I want to talk about this today because what she presented did not line up with what scripture shows us. And so I want to use that as an example. I'm going to share some examples from my own personal prophetic journal and we're going to talk about what we need to be focusing on as believers in Christ. What is the, the prophetic word that we are to be focusing on? So join me as we go into the word. We talk a little bit about this and you reflect on your own lives as well and apply it to scripture and see what true prophetic ministry really is. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. It should come as no surprise that the prophetic ministry is extremely popular in the charismatic movement. And we see people that are continuously flocking quite frequently to, to conferences and to meetings and to leaders because they want to hear what these leaders have to say. They want to 
get a prophetic word. They want to have something spoken over their life that they can have some direction given to their life, that they can know that God really does know who they are, that they want to hear God for themselves. There's people that will have webinars that to, to say that they can activate the gift of prophecy in people, which you don't see in Scripture. There's, there's so much of this out here. I mean, even when you go on Amazon and you look and you do an advanced search under books, you'll see 10,000 results come up when you just type in the word prophetic. I mean, you'll see books from ranging from Jennifer LeClaire. You'll see books from John Eckhart, um, Joshua Giles. You'll see Mike Bickle, The Growing in the Prophetic, which I read that years ago. You'll see books from Chris Vallotton about the basic training for the prophetic ministry which I taught out of that book years ago, out of that curriculum at the local church there, you're going to see multitudes of these books talking about the prophetic. And it's the supernatural desire to know that there's that God is, is much bigger than we are as we know, but there's something further out there in this supernatural, that something that we can't tangibly see, but yet we want to hear the voice of God for ourselves or have someone else that's highly anointed that we believe is highly anointed and to speak over us. And I, I thought this would be a good topic to talk about because it is a very vast topic. It's not going to be um, exhaustive here, but I think it may give you a little bit to think on. And there's some of these things that, that you're going to hear taught that you probably have heard echoed many times. I know I did. For example, when Vlad Savchuk was talking in the beginning about um when you get a prophetic word from someone else, that it should confirm what God has already spoken to you. Yet there's no scripture to back that up that that's ever used for that, that's in the proper context or the, if scripture is ever used for that. But I remember teaching that myself for years to other people about the prophetic, that God would always confirm something that um, if it didn't confirm it, that it was something to be suspicious of, or you need to put it on a shelf and come back to it. But that God would always tell you something that can, that was confirming to you or we were told and taught that you don't there's three things you don't prophesy you don't prophesy mates dates or children you stay off that you stay away from that which I find that interesting is that you're putting up those boundaries the things that you can't prophesy but I thought prophecy came from God so and not to mention the fact that God himself and he spoke through other prophets to prophesy a certain people would be born children that would be born there's just these discrepancies that don't agree with scripture and that agree with, with what true prophecy looks like in the word of God. With Bill Johnson, when I played him in the beginning, in the service that he did of valuing the prophetic, he focused on Second Chronicles 2020 and Ezra 614. And I'm not going to play all that because I really want to hone in on Kay Nash's message that she had because I felt that it really needed to be addressed more so and to have a, a simple biblical exercise of someone that's utilizing scripture to justify their point as far as the prophetic is concerned. And then when we look at it, um, and then you take time to look at it on your own and listen to to solid Bible teachers on this, go to commentaries and such. But you're going to find that what she's saying does not match up with with people with what solid biblical teachers teach from the commentaries and what you'll find even when you read it in context. So with Bill Johnson, going back to him, he did talk about, you know, our need to hear from God for ourselves does not uh, nullify our need for the prophets when he's referencing Second Chronicles 2020. And at the same time, he also said, um, your need to hear from the prophets does not cancel out or nullify your need to hear God for yourself. So he's discussing the importance of believing the prophets and the need for prophets. And we've heard that many times over the past few years, especially um, that we are to um, believe the prophets and we will succeed if we do that. 
again, please read Second Chronicles 20 in context because of see, to see who it's talking about and it's Jehoshaphat and what's going on there. I encourage you, read that in context. You're going to hear a, a resounding theme every time you hear me on an episode. I'm going to always direct you back to Scripture in context and tell you, please read it in context for yourself. Don't take what I'm saying at face value. Listen and then go back and, and read Scripture and make sure that it it's it's lining up with the context. You're understanding who the audience is, the, the historical context behind it. If this can be applicable to your life as a Christian, if you can be edified or encouraged by it, is it a descriptive versus pre prescriptive passage. There's lots of things that you need to take into consideration in that. But as Bill Johnson goes through his message, he talks about that the Old Testament prophets were judged, but the New Testament prophecy is judged. So he makes a distinction there between that, um, which I would disagree because scripture shows us that false teachers are judged uh, and they're warned against. They're to be marked and avoided and false teachers and false prophets fall in the same category that we're not to listen to them and to, and to heed their, their words because they're not speaking on behalf of God. And and as he went on, he talked about uh, people prospered through the prophesying of prophets from Ezra chapter six, verse 14. But the thing that caught my attention, and this was the first clip that I saw of this several years ago in 2019, I believe cultish was the one that, that shared it. At any rate, he was standing on stage, and at one point in the ministry, he goes over and grabs two three-ring binders. They're white binders that are behind him. He sets them on his pulpit, and on the binders of them, you can see that one of them says, they're Bill's prophetic words, and then the other one is Bethel's prophetic words. Now, I'm telling you this because if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to see this on the video that will be posted later with the actual video clip. But I want you to hear what he says about this and just take note, and we'll talk a little bit more about it and keep going on as we discuss uh, personal prophetic words. Prosperity we know we were born for, that we, ate or, or, that we ate for, was actually made available to us through a word we didn't have value for. Those are mine. <laughs> this one is for all of you. It's for Bethel. When we make a decision as a team, one of the things I would do, we'll talk together, we have a decision to make. We're, we look at pros and cons. We're trying to hear the voice of the Lord. The one thing I try to make sure that we always do is I will ask the question, have we ever had a prophetic word about this decision? So we'll talk together. We'll say, Cindy Jacobs was here 10 years ago. Do you remember that word she gave? And we'll do a little research. We'll try to find the word. Did she talk about this at all? Why? Because we want to prosper and we want to be successful. And both of those two outcomes are contingent upon our response to those in the body he has equipped to bring us exactly what we need. I trust him, and I trust him big enough that he will work through the people that are connected to me to bring me exactly what I need. Now, we're going to continue to, to listen on, but I'm, we're going to come back to this at the end and bring it full circle of this idea of trusting what that is said and stated to be prophecy outside of Scripture and the practice that is being done and that what I even did when I was in this movement unknowingly doing this 
and this is what I, one of the things I was pondering on when I revisited this. So we'll get back to that. But he also, during this time when he's showing these binders, he talks about giving value to the prophetic words, even writing a date next to a Bible verse that he has when he's reading the scripture. He'll write a, um, a date next to a specific Bible verse that that pertains to with that prophetic word to remind him of a personal prophetic experience or a word. It's almost like using the Bible in a way that you're using it as a tool to refer back to these prophetic words that seem to have that carry a lot of weight and authority in your life. Again, we'll get back to that. And he also talked about putting words on a shelf, which that again, that's not the first time I've heard that. That's probably not the first time you've heard that. But I wanted to go on and just basically touch on what Bill Johnson said and move on to a little bit about Vlad Savchuk. The video that Vlad released about the prophetic was titled Four Steps You Must Do After a Prophetic Word. And he um, talked about Samuel, the story of Eli and Samuel, uh, which a lot of people in the prophetic will talk about that. Now, he does not um, espouse himself to be a prophet. He says that he's more of a teacher, but he does surround himself with prophets. He taught that God's voice can sound like another's voice sometimes because Samuel didn't understand Eli, that it wasn't Eli speaking. He thought it was Eli. And if you read in 1 Samuel, you're going to find that uh, it was in that time that God's vo- the word of the Lord was rare and that there were no frequent visions that were given regarding God's word. And so that was questionable. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is that Eli was being judged by God through Samuel's prophecy that, that God gave to Samuel because of the iniquity that he had allowed and the wickedness he had allowed to go on that his sons were committing. He did not correct it. And so um, Samuel was, it would seem that Samuel was not under sound mentorship, if, if you will, when you look at this, as far as Eli was concerned, because he was compromising as far as what his sons were doing. They were doing things that were profane before the Lord in their offerings and such. And so as Vlad goes on to talk, he talks about why why we need a prophet. And I played that clip earlier to understand the voice of God you're hearing and to confirm. And he said, when a prophet speaks to you, it will confirm and to beware of words that coming out of the blue or directional, as you heard him say, he talked about the character of a person giving a prophetic word. And what I found interesting and confusing listening to him was the filter. He said that the prophet will say one thing, but th- there's something different there and that they're not really hearing it clearly. Again, ask yourself, is that a pattern that we see in scripture with true prophets of God? Is that a pattern? Can you find any prophet, true prophet of God in scripture that had a hard time, Old Testament or New Testament? Which Old Testament, it would be important to note that this was in a different um, dispensation, if you will. This is before Jesus came, before the Holy Spirit came to indwell born-again believers. He, it says he came upon those that he spoke to in the Old Testament. Ask yourself, do you even see in the Old Testament that anybody, aside from Samuel, which that's a descriptive passage, I mean, that, that's the argument that could be made is that that's a descriptive passage. Is there anybody in Scripture that you see that had that that their filter because they were human and fallible and that's the argument that's given was a problem for God to speak what he wanted conveyed I just ask yourself that and see if you can find a passage in scripture and you know another valid thing to consider is do we take one instance in scripture in the old testament with Samuel and the leadership that he was under with Eli do we take that and prescribe it for the prophetic ministry. 
just asking some thoughts today <laughs> and posing them so you you can think on them for yourself and I encourage you to do some more Bible study on the prophetic. Now, as Vlad went on, he talked about that a prophetic word will not be controlling, the all, that we all prophesy in part, and that's a reference to 1 Corinthians 13, 9. And again, I would just refer you to do a study on that in the context. What I really liked, I just want to share this with you. When I was looking this up in a commentary, I found this in the commentary from Matthew Henry regarding 1 Corinthians 13, 9. And I thought this was just an interesting thing to note. He said, How little a portion of God was heard, even by apostles and inspired men. These gifts were fitted to the present imperfect state of the church, whereas charity was to last forever. How much better will it be with a church hereafter? So just one statement there to, to kind of ponder on um, as far as 1 Corinthians 13, 9 goes, because the excuse is made that uh, we know in part and prophesy in part, ergo prophecy can be fallible today and be wrong. And just because you prophesy something wrong does not make you a false prophet. Hmm. Yeah, so lots to think about. So as we go on with what Vlad talked about, um, he, he mentions about God's prophetic word is not a final verdict, and he references Hezekiah. So that's another um, area, 2 Kings uh, chapter 20, that people like to refer to. And I just would like to say that when I read 2 Kings chapter 20, I am reminded of the grace of God, um, the sovereignty of God in Hezekiah's time of need, and the fact that God knew that Hezekiah would come to him in prayer and would humble himself, and that God would be gracious and merciful to him to extend uh, further life to him. I think sometimes in the areas of this movement, the more I keep looking at things, the more I keep realizing how there are beliefs that do not acknowledge the sovereignty of God, that do not acknowledge that he is in control, that actually leave what many call um, open theistic views in plain sight. But, you know, you don't see it when, when you're part of this. It's just these things that you're taught and you don't really rationalize it or process it. But when you say, well, you know, God needs us in order for a, pro a prophecy to be fulfilled. He he requires that we be obedient in order for him to do something. Again, this does not this denies the sovereignty of God. If, if God is dependent upon us, he's not God because he doesn't need us. A true the true God does not need us to do anything. He gives us the ability to do these things in his grace and mercy. And those are things that need to be acknowledged. Uh, he also talked about if a word doesn't give clarity, confidence, or confirmation, but it brings confusion and condem condemnation, then it's probably not from God. It's probably from the enemy. So I just wanted to share those and sum those up because I, I think that that's probably a lot of what people have heard, or maybe you taught that yourself. These are things I taught, um, and I heard over the years about this, and I heard these different examples through the years, and I taught these examples through the years to different people. So these are things that are out there about the prophetic ministry. Now, we're going to get down to uh, Kanash. And I wanted to talk about what she said because of the, the scripture that she applied and to really get you thinking biblically about this and to test this to see, does is this what the passage really saying about this? And then we'll talk about the prophetic more as far as personal words. And uh, I'll share some stuff with you that's from my journal and even share a video clip with you, an audio clip, video clip um, from a prophetic word that, that was re released over me in 2017. That's the last one that I can uh, recall that was released over me because we, we left the movement in 2019. 
So Kay Nash released this video eight months ago, and it was talking about getting prophetic words to come to pass. That was the title of that video. And in this video, she talked about uh, Mark chapter 4, focusing on Mark 4 with the parable of the sower. In case you're familiar with that, we'll talk about that a particular passage. We'll read it, and then we'll focus on another passage that talks about this in the Gospel of Matthew. But in Mark 4, she focused on the parable of the sower, and she said that the first in that she tells those who are listening the reason why uh, a prophetic word may not come to pass. Let's start with this. One of the reasons a prophetic word does not come to pass is because the person could not withstand the trials and persecution associated with the word. Jesus. Let's go into Mark 4, 16 through 17. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the words, so these people have heard prophetic words here or some kind of word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so they endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, this word can mean stumble in the Greek here, but this word can also mean offended, okay? That they become offended because the word did not come to pass in the way they wanted, in the time that they wanted, and they experienced so much persecution and so much spiritual warfare that they just gave up on the word. Okay. So right off, right off the bat, you're going to hear where she's going to go with this with Mark 4. I wanted to play that so you know that, that this is where she's coming from on this. She views Mark 4 with the parable of the sower as the word there is the prophetic word, the personal prophetic word that's spoken over your life. And as you heard her in the initial clip, you heard her say, this is at the end of her teaching, but she says, that there were four different types of words. She doesn't view this as four different types of soils present that the, that the one word fell on, which we'll get there. But she views this as four different types of prophetic words, and 25% of those words were the ones that came to pass. So you don't want to be in the 75% that doesn't come to pass. Again, she said this at the end, and I played this earlier, but that this is where she's going with this. And she talks about that you can that God can still cause that word to come to pass, but you have to still believe it. So again, this is creating this, people will say, well, yeah, we believe God's sovereign, but then they'll say something that doesn't indicate that they acknowledge his sovereignty of that God can still cause those words to come to pass it, but you still have to believe it. There's that caveat. That's the stipulation. You must believe that word in order for God to be able to um, cause that word to come to pass. As she goes on, she talks about words that God will manifest no matter what, but that some we are co-laborers. Now there is words that God's just going to manifest no matter what, but a lot of words, we are co-laborers with the Lord and we have to stay in faith and we have to stay in agreement with God for these things to manifest in our lives. Jesus. Mm. Yeah, so here's a question for you. She just said that there, there are words that God will manifest no matter what, but some we are co-laborers and that we have to have faith in order to see those words come to pass. I, I want you to think about this. The the word testifies of Christ, correct? And and the more sure word of prophecy that the word testifies of is it's a testimony of Jesus. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question would be, 
was it required for anybody to believe that in order for, for Christ to come and die for our sins in order for him to give us the promise of eternal life? Was that based upon our faith that that took place? Or was that because that was what God decreed to happen from the foundations of the earth and he didn't rely on man or woman's faith for that to take place? It was it was already decided by him before the foundations of the world. Does this even testify of God's nature, of his attributes, of him being immutable, of him being sovereign, of him being uh, holy, of, of him being um, omniscient? omnipotent, um, omnipresent, or, or, or any of these, is, is this particular thing, is this, is this attributed to act, God's actual attributes? Is this testifying truly of the truth of the word? These are things that we need to ask. As she went on, she talked about that the second reason that people's prophetic words do not come to pass is because Satan has stolen the word. And she referenced Mark 4, 14 through 15, where Satan comes and devours the word. And I would just like to point out once again, this is not talking about prophetic words, as we will see in the, in the sense of what she's talking about, the, the personal prophetic words. The third reason she said was that people are disobedient to the word, the prophetic word that's given, or they misunderstand it. The fourth reason she gave for people not getting their prophetic words coming to pass is that people get distracted, referencing Mark chapter four, verses 18 and 19. And she said that you can get distracted by doing the dishes and cleaning the house and taking care of things when you should be doing what the prophetic word tells you to do. Now, I don't know what her intentions were in saying this. But when you hear someone tell you that you're disobeying the prophetic word God gave you when you're washing the dishes and you're sweeping the floors and you're taking care of your children and you're doing all these things that that are glorifying God because you're taking care of your home and you're honoring your husband, for example, as a wife and as a mother, I just use that as an example, but then you're being told, well, you're getting distracted because of all these other things that you do and you're not obeying the prophetic word I think we're missing something here that we are actually obeying God in doing those things. The, the fifth example that she gave was the lack of obedience or sin in your life. And she referenced Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 9. And this verse says, And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. And again, I would say, go back and read that in context. We're not going to focus on that one in particular today. But her whole point in stating that particular verse was she says that destiny stuff does not happen because of evil you did. She said that God is giving himself a way out in this verse. So she's basically saying that the destiny stuff, which is what she called it, does not happen in your life because of the evil that you're doing and that God has given himself a way out in this verse. Again, read that in context <laughs> in your private time and see if that's what it really says. I want to get to this particular part where she spoke at about eight and a half minutes in because she had to say this about throwing stones at the prophets. Sometimes people, they just throw in stones at the prophets of the living God because their lives are in disorder. And so words are not manifesting in their lives. If they would get their lives in order, they would not have to throw stones anymore and the words would actually manifest. Jesus. Mm. 
The truth of the matter is not all words that you get are from God. Sometimes we miss it. Something in our heart is wrong. You know, the Bible says out of the heart flow the issues of life. And so you might just really want that thing to happen. You might think that it's okay because you want it, but that doesn't mean it's the Lord's will. Not everything we want is the Lord's will. And we have to be able to surrender everything on the altar in order to consistently get accurate prophetic words. And sometimes people miss it when they prophesy over you. That's this the truth. Sometimes they are hearing the wrong spirit or again, their heart is wrong. And so we have to test everything ourselves. So I would actually agree with her in the fact that she says not everything is from the Lord when people prophesy that. And I and I believe that that's a huge problem in the prophetic movement. The fact of the matter is, is that people are ascribing God's name to the things that they are declaring. And that makes God to be a liar when those things do not come to pass. And they are ascribing things to God he did not say. And they are presuming that that's what God says. And God talks about this, even in Deuteronomy 18.22, which she does talk about this. And I just found it so alarming at what she said. I'd never heard anybody put this twist on it in saying what, what Deuteronomy 18.22 said. But she did. I do agree as far as there are things that when people hear that a prophetic word, a lot of times they're hearing what they want to hear and that, that those things agree with what the desires of their heart are and that they're not from God. I would agree with that in in that sense. But then she goes on to say, well, people miss it and that's just the truth. Well, again, there's a problem because true prophetic ministry in scripture does not agree with that. It does not agree. You don't find an example of anybody that was a true prophet that and prophesied on behalf of God that missed it. It's not there. <laughs> it's not there. And with the wrong heart, and then she she says, you know, you need to test them according to 1 John 4, 1 through 3, to test the spirits. And then when she goes on, she does talk about Samuel. Again, this is a big one, talking about Samuel, and that we must have grace for prophets who miss it. Well, I don't know I've said this before, but as as someone who was in this movement and as was identified as a quote prophet i would say that god is granting grace to us right now because he grants he's granting mercy and repentance and he's extending his grace uh, in this time if we're still breathing and and we've not uh, repented of these sins he's given us grace right now to do so and he's extended that uh, repentance to us and that mercy so that is showing grace and it is grace to call it into question to call it and expose it for what it is if we love people enough including false prophets then we love them enough to call them to repent and i would call her to repent she needs to repent of this teaching that she's doing because it is unbiblical and it's not lining up with scripture and she's not testifying of christ in doing this and that's that's being loving enough to say the truth because the i mean true love speaks truth true love in christ speaks the truth and the truth is this is not solid biblical teaching and this is coming from a lay person who simply opened up the scripture and read it and took time to look at commentaries this does not agree and it's really maligning the name of god when we're saying well prophecy can be fallible and oops i just missed it no biggie oh well grace grace you're ascribing something to God that he did not say. There needs to be more sobriety about that and not saying, well, we're just practicing, practicing hearing the voice of God. That's what we're doing. No. 
As she went on, she talks about Samuel, as I said, having grace for the prophets. And I will um, post this so you can listen to this just for time's sake. But she talks about this about the 12 and a half minute mark about Deuteronomy 18.22. And she says that it does not say false prophets. And that's her argument for that, is that when it makes it, uh, the distinction that the prophet says something that does not come to pass, she makes the argument that it does not say false prophets, that these are new prophets that are learning how to hear the voice of God, and that they're in fact true prophets. So I will share the link so you can hear it for yourself. 12 and a half minute mark, you can listen to her say that, and you can test it for yourself against scripture to make sure that it's lining up with what the word of God says. We are not the barometer again of truth. God calls us to use his word as believers in Christ to use it as the standard and barometer of truth to make sure that what we are being taught is in fact true. This next thing she said, I played at the beginning, but she said there were four types of words, 25% of words don't come to pass. And she referenced Mark 4.20. And she went through, and I didn't play the third thing that she said after understanding the word, that you need to go to the Lord, keep the word before your eyes. That's where a, a prophetic journal comes in. Some of you may have those. Some of you may have trashed them already or burned them. The last thing she talks about is activating the word. You have to activate the word and bear fruit toward the word. She said, sometimes you have to sow a seed. Um, And as far as activating the word, sow a seed, you have to move, go, get alone and let the presence leak on you. I don't know what that means, but apparently she says you need to get alone in prayer and let the presence leak on you and you need to give up something. Um, And she said, how much are you willing to produce that word? Is, is what she talked about before she closed in prayer. Now, I want to read to you uh, Mark chapter 4, and I want just for us to listen to it and hear it in context without um, the additions of reading into it what it says. Just listen to what it says. I'll read uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and then I'll read 10 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. This is Jesus. And a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. 
But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Now, one thing I want to point out to you is uh, the purpose of the parables and that the parable of the sower has to do with four soils. It doesn't mention anything about four different types of prophetic words if you actually take a look at it. But what is also interesting, too, is it would help us to know what this is talking about. Are there is there any other passage in Scripture that talks about this particular parable? Well, as grace would have it, as the Lord would allow it, yes, in fact, there is Matthew 13. Let's take a look at Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and then I'll skip to verses 18 through 23 that deal with this. Matthew 13, verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And on to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He who he indeed he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. Now, when you hear that, and you now you see in Matthew thirteen it says the word of the kingdom. And what I really appreciated, too, I have this uh, newer Bible. It's the Church History Study Bible. In Matthew 13, in the, in the area where the study notes are, there was a particular quote. And I want to read this to you. This quote came from Charles Simeon. And it said this regarding the verses in uh, Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Let us hear this parable not to judge others, but ourselves. Let us examine to which of the foregoing classes we belong. What has been the disposition with which we have heard the word? What the benefits we received from the preached gospel? Have we labored to treasure up the truth of God in our hearts? Has it overpowered the corrupt desires that would obstruct its growth? And are we rising daily beyond the form to the life and power of godliness? You see, even the commentators... Um, are noticing even back in the 1700s, 1800s, when they wrote these things and, and even Martin Luther's day, they're recognizing that these, this is talking about the gospel being ministered. This is not talking about personal prophetic words that you receive and that you just give up on them. This is talking about something that's far more substantial than anything like that, that is subjective. This is talking about the objective truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his death, burial, and resurrection, and the call to repent and believe and be brought into the ministry of reconciliation from spiritual death to spiritual life. 
and to no longer be under the wrath of God, but to be forgiven and the debt be paid for sin and to be brought into eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the new, that's the word that we're supposed to receive. It's not this, and and how sad that someone would listen to this teaching and think that this is what this means. This is not representing what this word means in the, in the, in the truth of scripture. And again, this is coming from a lay person who has no authority over the word. This is from a lay person who is simply reading the word and taking time to do Bible study. And I would encourage you to do the same and see if you come to the same conclusion that Cain Ash came to, or if you come to the same conclusion that many other commentators, solid Bible teachers are coming to when they read Mark 4 and Mark and Matthew 13 in the context to see, is this about a personal prophetic word that I just gave up on or that Satan devoured? Or does this have to do with the more sure word of prophecy, which is scripture, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, testifying of Christ himself? These are just things I want you to think about. Now, some of the things taught, again, that we heard from some of these, and I'm sure for many others, is, again, the confirmations of words and things like that, writing it down. And this is where I wanted to share these words that I found in my personal journal and then share a clip with you and some closing thoughts. So I have this journal and I have these little bookmarked areas, and I'll just read these to you. The first one that I had bookmarked, came in October 19th of 2012, and it was at a fire and healing conference. And at the time, this was before uh, the the individual that I was under became an apostle. He was known as a pastor at this point, because I have it in parentheses, Pastor Ryan. And he said, this is a night for you of activation of destiny, that wind and fires are colliding over your destiny and over your purpose. You keep sensing an urgency, and what you're sensing is that prophetic tugging of what this moment... Uh, demands the urgency you sense is not just you it's the this moment as a prophetic voice you're sensing that god speak to her and give her the wisdom to navigate the next level of her purpose and her assignment so uh there was that one and then as i moved on the next one that i had written down of course i had some on on discs that i saved and such but i have i probably have thrown those away or have them tucked away somewhere and and don't pay attention to them anymore (laughs) The next one I have written down was in February twenty second. Uh, was on February twenty second of twenty fourteen. This was what was um, at a meeting called the Five FM, the Fivefold Ministry, and this is the again another word from Pastor Ryan. Said the words, the prophetic words God's given you are going to be like arrows. I will use those arrows to release them from your spirit to effectively go out and produce the things I've ordained them to produce. As the arrows intensify, so will the resistance and the attacks. You're going to find yourself going to the secret place. I even sense in this new house God's given you a physical secret place. God says you are to build a physical secret place in that new house that is your place that is you uh, that you go to the presence of God. God is just waiting on you. He will use your ministry like an arrow and it will seem strange because where some people are just all the time prophesying, your words will be like there will be seasons where you release an arrow and you go back in the secret place and they won't be as frequent as other people's, but the arrows are going to have such an effect and such an impact that when they come forth, they are going to be powerful and you are going to take cover in the secret place that the resistance generated from those arrows, you are going to take cover in the secret place. You're going to go in, you're going to seek, then you're going to go out and and you're going to say, you're going to go in, you're going to seek, and then you're going to say, I also sense that there is a literary prophetic word that is on the inside of you for the younger generation 
generation. You'll begin to speak forth and release prophetic instruction to the younger generation. It's a literary work. It's something God is going to have you write that is going to be for the younger generation. More in this prophetic. It's going to be profound and it's going to be effective. A lot of generalities, as you'll notice, and just, again, very very general, vague type things that are said, nothing specific, a lot of sensing and urgency and arrows and effectiveness and impact and everything. On April 24th of 2015, I noted that that night was a significant night for me personally because God revealed the mark of my calling as a prophet. Now, there were times that Ryan actually ministered over me and prophesied publicly that I was a prophet, and you'll hear that in just a moment from 2017. The next one that I have recorded that I'll share with you today was from August 16th of 2015. And again, I'm just sharing these as an examples. Um, I don't value these words because this is not God's word. But at the time I did, I did value these as God's word. And I would go back and revisit them and read them to be encouraged by them. And um, that's problematic. And I'll share why at the end, why my, what my thoughts are on that. And you may agree or disagree with me on that. But I hope that you'll just think about it and consider what's being said about it. And really think about what, what word you value in your life what words you have valued in your life. And if it's been God's word, or if it's been something like this in a prophetic journal, if it's take, if it's actually taken precedence over God's written and holy word. On August 16th of 2015, Jennifer LeClaire spoke over me. And she spoke of a cleansing coming to me for the things the enemy had said and done, that I would remember those things, but the pain would not be attached to them. The next word I have flagged was, on September 6th of 2015. And I put that tonight was a special night that Richard Roberts, which was Oral Roberts' son, and Pastor Ryan laid hands on Annabelle and me. And this was when I was still pregnant with my daughter. And um, Ryan said that a great anointing was entering me and my baby. All of the words that you have had in the secret place, God is breathing on them. It is not the end, but the beginning of a new season. That was what I was told. And also, too, by the way, um, she received a prophetic word of her baby dedication that Ryan prophesied over her there, too. So, you know, this is this is stuff that's not uncommon to me. I mean, I, I can attest to it. Um, the question is, is this really from God? That is the question. There was a, a lady that prophesied over me uh, October 14th of 2015, and, and she said that I was God's alabaster jar of daughter of Zion, and that there was a depth that few could go into but go, uh, into God, but I could go there. On uh, November 27th of 2015, this was a new breed meeting, which was a gathering that Ryan and a couple other individuals, including Jennifer LeClaire, had begun, and it's been disbanded, but this was a type of... Um, Kind of like a, a a network, if you will, that people joined and paid to be part of. But I was commissioned that day with the New Breed Revivalists. And this was the word that was released from Apostle Ryan now, a 2015, that he was Apostle Ryan and Jennifer LeClaire released over me. I was told, I just hear the Lord say, acceleration is coming, acceleration in your writing gift. God says, I am going to cause you to be a prophet that writes and releases things through writing. And there will be a dominant gift there in the uh, realm of revelatory writing. And we, and he said, Father, we just thank you for that. Now, at this time, I was writing. So this was not a new type thing. 
Uh, Jennifer said, I thank you for this prophetic scribe, God, as she puts pen to paper. Uh, God, mysteries, revelations will be unlocked. God, increase that anointing over her life. Let her bring forth and write for what the Spirit of God says with clarity. I thank you that the word she writes will carry a spirit of deliverance on them. Jesus, fire over you. The next word I have written down, I have uh, two more to share with you. Uh, and th- what was interesting too, I'll share this at the, the, one of the words I have tagged was in February 28th of, of 2016, but it wasn't a word. It's something, an event that happened that was significant. Um, the next one I'll share is December 12th of 2015. And this was from an Alliance Arise conference. And this was a word from Apostle Ryan. Loosing the Jehu anointing. The pen of the Lord shall be mighty in your hands. The pen of the Lord shall be mighty in your hands. The pen of the Lord shall be mighty in your hands. I see a clock as my hand is on you, and the Lord says, Kairos. There's a Kairos moment coming when God's going to put the things that you write that come from the throne room in front of the right people, and they're going to reach far and wide, far and wide, far and wide from your prayer closet. You will go to the nations in writing. The pen of the Lord shall be mighty. You are my scribing prophet. You are my scribing prophet. That's why the warfare that's why the warfare that's why the warfare we loose the jehu anointing on you so i have a jehu anointing everyone just wanted to let you know and i can take down jezebel and of course i probably was accused of having a jezebel spirit which is ironic um but (laughs) nevertheless i don't mean to make a joke about it i can laugh about it now but at the time it was a very difficult time when we left but now I can look back on it and know that God has healed me through this because I can look back on it and it's not painful any longer. So I praise God for that. And I pray that whoever's listening to this, that you find yourself in the same position, that you can be healed emotionally and God can do that. And you don't have to be sozoed or any of that nonsense. You can be healed by God in this to where you can look back on things like that. You have no anger, no bitterness, no resentment, no no hostility, no pain involved in that. And pray for those people that have hurt you. Bless them. Do not curse them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who mistreat you. Bless those who say vile and nasty things about you and and slander you and say all kinds of stuff. Bless them and do not curse them and ask for God's mercy to be upon them. And you can look back at those times with joy and say, God, I know that was hard, but I thank you that you that your grace and your mercy was extended to me. And I just thank you for that, Lord, and that you have been faithful to me, even in the midst of trial and difficulty. The last one I'll share was in January of 20, uh, uh, January 2016, on January 27th. And I had written down, Tonight, Apostle Ryan spoke over me as I answered a call to surrender. He spoke over me about arrows that I would release in the coming season. The sound familiar? And that the things God spoke to me in the secret place would be confirmed by high-level prophets. He spoke over me that it was time to release the arrows of revelation that God gives to me. I talk about how I thought that God was speaking to me, and I was laying on the threshing floor and all this. Uh, this. Now, what was interesting was is that, that the one in December I read to you about the words I had would come before high-profile prophets and they would go to the nations. Um, February 23rd, 2016, I had noted in my um, my journal, I wrote a blog post, The Holy Spirit Ember Attack, and it went on to Charisma, which at the time Jennifer LeClaire was the senior editor at Charisma, and it went into 107 nations and was read at that time on Facebook by over 8,000 people. You know, yippee. So... <laughs> So anyway, I wanted to share those examples to you. And I have one other example to verify, not just from a journal, but to verify one of these particular words that I got that's not in the journal. It was in 2017. So here you go. Uh, For your listening pleasure, you can hear another prophetic word that was released over me to be called as a national prophet, a Shamar prophet, in fact. But you'll hear this and then I'll have some closing thoughts. Glory, glory. 
I see the Lord lifting you up in the spirit. And the Lord said, you're going to see things for the nation. For the Lord said, surely I'm positioning you as a watchman on the wall. I'm positioning you with a Shamar anointing. People will say, where did she come from? I've never heard of her. And the Lord said, the spirit of jealousy will be rising against you, even as it did against David. But Eliab's voice shall not prevail. I'm loosing a fresh thing. The Lord says, your mantle will not know borders. You're going to the nation. You're going to the nation. You're going to the nation. I release a mantle for National Prophetic Ministry now. Sorry if that sounded chaotic because it was a um, wild service that night with people having alleged demons cast out of them and people throwing up in different places. Uh, not a huge amount of that, but that was going on. And then you, on top of that, you had just people gathered all around in that altar area and just dancing around and shouting and lifting their hands and people getting prayed over and prophesied. And it was, it was, it was a bit wild. Um, Eddie James was there with his group ministering and uh, Ryan and another man there that espouses himself to be an apostle. So I wanted to play that for you and to show you these examples, to read them to you and to, to play that. So you'll know my background to where I've came, come from in this and that this has been a common thing for me through for years of pr- prophetic words. And I know there's others that I have recorded and I just don't have them written down in this particular journal. But as I was thinking about this topic for this week, and I was reflecting back on these prophetic words, and it's, I can't even tell you the last time I ever looked at this journal in the sense that the way I used to look at it. Here were some thoughts I had that may be some good food for thought. When we've written down a prophetic word in the past, or when you know people that write down prophetic words and that they've been told there's value in those words and you need to, to uh, meditate on them and go back to them and reread them. I began to wonder if if those are being viewed in an indirect way as logos, as the written word, which is what scripture is. Now, people will say that they don't view it that way, but I find the the teaching and the behavior and the practices would testify otherwise. I can tell you that I referred more to my journals than I did to scripture when I was in this movement. And that may not be true for everybody, but I'll tell you from from what I did. I remember referring far more to my journals than I would sit and study scripture. I would sit and study these prophetic words and to think on them and to ponder on them. And I believe that it's encouraging um, people to pay attention and to meditate on them rather than on scripture or even putting it on par with scripture, because you will hear people teach that you're, you're to think on these words, that they, they have power, that we need to make sure that we're putting value on them, is what Bill Johnson said, that we want to see them come to pass and that we have faith to believe that. Why aren't we directing this this level of study and and faith in, into what God's written word says, is, is my question. And as I looked at my journal, I had this sinking feeling when I was looking at it. And the, the concern that I wanted to express is this, the danger that the prophetic journal actually becomes your Bible. This is the danger that happens is that we no longer give value or credence to the actual sufficient word of God that's sufficient to teach us and to instruct us and to encourage us and to edify us and to rebuke us and correct us and to guide us and to lead us by the Holy Spirit, which you cannot separate the Holy Spirit and the word of God, by the way. It's so frustrating to hear people make those 
allegations that whenever we call things into question, you're trying to, you're, that you're automatically separating. When you say things like this, that it, you think, oh, well, it's just Father, Son, and Holy Bible. First of all, I cannot minister the gospel without scripture. Secondly, I cannot separate scripture from the Holy Spirit because he's the one that authored it. So those claims are not valid and they're really empty claims to make it that. My concern and my fear is that even, I'll just speak for myself personally. How about that? I'll do that. When I was in this type of movement, I realized that I was putting more faith in what I had written down and what I was ascribing to God or what I thought other people had said that came from God. And I was putting more value in that than I was in the actual written word of God. And that journal became my Bible. And that's not okay. (laughs) Because that's subjective. I can't prove that God said those things. And when we evaluate things like this, we, we do not see a pattern in scripture where God's word spoken through true prophets of God was instructed to be put on a shelf, or that if it didn't already confirm what God told you, that it is likely not from God. We don't see any of that in Scripture. In fact, we see pr- prophetic words that were difficult words that they were words of uh, that they were words of warning and rebuke. We even see Agabus telling Paul what's going to happen to him. Nothing good happened to him when he went to Jerusalem. He was in, he was in prison. He was beaten up. And he knew that this was going to take place because it it was already prophesied to him. And Agabus, by the way, did not miss it. (laughs) He did not miss it. So we have all these things that are said that will say out of one side, well, God's word is authoritative. And then out of the other side of of the mouth will be, well, you know, just put that word up on a shelf. You don't have to obey it. You know, if, if it doesn't agree with your spirit, if it doesn't agree with what you think God has already confirmed to you, when do you ever see a pattern in scripture when God's word is not authoritative, when we are told not to obey what God says. You don't see that. I'll just help you out right now. You don't see that in scripture. That's not a pattern that we see. When God spoke, it was authoritative. And the other fear that I have is that we, again, we are denying the sovereignty of God and we're creating a God of our own imagination that, well, you know, we can test this for ourselves. And if it doesn't agree with how we feel or it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't feel right. It's just not a good word or that's not what I think that God has spoken to me. Man, we cre- you create really fast a God of your own imagination that only says what you think he says, and you won't even know what scripture says. And one of the things that unfortunately in, in this movement, in particular in the prophetic movement, and I'll just be blunt in saying this, I would dare say that a lot of people that are in this movement are biblically illiterate. And I can speak, I can attest to that, being biblically illiterate, taking scriptures out of context, cherry picking verses and saying, well, God gave me extra biblical mystical revelation for this when that's not the case. And we don't even know the actual context of the scripture. We're not applying it in a biblical way. It may not even be applicable to us as a believer. It could be certainly encouraging, but it may not be applicable, such as the what's found in the epistles that are given to the church. You know, there are so many different areas that we can look at in this that we could evaluate and see there's some serious concerns in what is deemed the the modern prophetic ministry, the modern prophetic movement. And I wanted to do this episode not to bring condemnation, but to to be transparent 
in what I came out of to give you another little glimpse of it and to show you some examples for you to hear and to get you back into the word of God and to get you testing things in accordance with scripture, not to be mean spirited and not to be legalistic, but you and I both are responsible for our understanding and knowledge of scripture. And this is part of our fellowship with God. If we neglect that, if we neglect that fellowship and we replace it with what we want God to say to us, and it's found in our journals, and it supersedes or it's on par with scripture, even though we say it's not, and that's what, what, that's what we go to to be encouraged rather than to the word of God, or we're writing these little dates next to Bible verses and we're using the Bible as a footnote to our life which that's sure what it sounds like to me. If you're putting a, a date next to a Bible verse and you're, that tells you to go to your prophetic word rather than to scripture, this really sets someone up for, for failure, for um, being shipwrecked in their faith. It's really set someone up to create a God of their own imagination. This is idolatry. This is creating something of your own imagination, your own desires, and not going back and thinking what God has left us with his word. It's sufficient. I don't need anything additional. This is sufficient for me. And I can go to God's word and be encouraged and be edified and be rebuked, be corrected, and also be in a good biblically sound church and be under solid leadership and to be challenged and to be edified and be corrected and rebuked by, by solid biblical teaching, to be around fellow believers, to be encouraged, to be held accountable. These are the things that are valuable in our lives. And if I could leave you with any thought today, I would tell you, go back to the Bible, go back to the word of God, be content with what scripture has to say about God. And knowing and understanding you fellowship with God in reading his word and knowing that the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit abides within you. He dwells within you. He leads you. He guides you. He instructs you. He helps you to understand the word of God better. He helps you in your fellowship to know and walk in God's ways. And he is not divorced from the word of God. In fact, he, he helps you to understand the word that he authored and, and he carried men along to write it. So... You don't need additional words to know God. You don't need an additional, you don't need a prophetic journal to know that God is speaking. He's spoken. He's spoken through his word. And we need to be confident and content in that and knowing we can grow in our relationship and our intimacy with God by reading his word, by studying his word and knowing his attributes and knowing his ways. And in that we are truly fellowshipping with God. And guess what? When you read the word of God, the written word of God, you are actually listening to prophecy. And much of it has been fulfilled through Christ. But you were listening to prophecy, the more word, the more sure word of prophecy. So I hope that this encourages you today, and I hope that it challenges you today. And be willing to test things. Be willing to test things and love people enough to, to test them, because that's what we need to be doing and testing ourselves in the process. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, I hope that you'll consider leaving a five-star review. And I love to hear from people. Um, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, feel free to email me at dawn at lovesticscribe.com if you want to do that. And until next time, I've enjoyed my time with you. Be blessed today by the more sure word of prophecy, God's word. Be blessed. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesticscribe. 
And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.